Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. Y'all doing all right? Yeah, thanks for coming and hanging out with us today. Um, listen, for the past uh, couple of weeks, many of you guys know, we've been talking about what it means to actually have a godly family. And uh, because I know many of us in this room, uh, you know, actually desire that, meaning we want healthy marriages, we want healthy relationships with our kids, uh, and so on. What I want to do this morning is I want to uh, turn our attention to some, some habits, if you will, some behaviors uh, that can easily cause our families to slide into some really unhealthy spots. And so we're going to pray one more time. I know we prayed several times already, um, but I just kind of want to set the table. Amen. Man, Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here. God, I thank you that their hearts are hungry, that they desire to love you, they desire to honor you. And simply, Lord, as we slide up to your table today, Father, we just ask, God, that you would speak loud and clear. God, we want to be people who uh, literally do family your way. So, Father, thank you for talking to us today. Thank you for challenging us today. And thank you for changing us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so listen, like we began last week, uh, you know, I mentioned that while we know that the family structure uh, was originally designed by God to provide each one of us with love, affection, a sense of belonging, comfort, safety, and an atmosphere of growth, like God's, uh, you know, desire to put those things uh, in us in the family, how many of you guys know that every person doesn't have that experience when it comes to their family? In other words, they don't always get those things, and the reality is it's not every family, including Christian ones. Uh, are marked by those things. Now, the reason is, is uh, I'll just say this. The reality is that family relationships can be extremely complicated. Can I get a witness? Right? For, for no other reason than our families are made up of imperfect people, and I believe it's because of all of our imperfections. There's probably no doubt that every single one of us in this room uh, have been hurt and have been disappointed by family members in the past, and I would dare to say that we've all made mistakes, and we've hurt, and we've disappointed uh, those we loved in the past as well. Can I hear an amen to that? So, in other words, uh, because there's no such thing as a perfect family, every family will have its share of problems from time to time. Now, some of these problems will be minor, and some of them will be major. But here's what I want to get at today, is that when these problems arise, how we actually handle them uh, will ultimately determine if our families stay healthy or if we become unhealthy. Uh, The choice is really ours. And so the foundation question we're going to work from this morning is simply that, is how will we deal with problems or difficulties when they arise? If that be in our marriage or if that be, uh, you know, with our children, maybe with grandparents, how are we going to deal with it? Um, In my opinion, when problems arise, we have three options. I'm sure there's more, but I'm going to give you three today. The first one that I think that we can choose is this, is that we can leave these problems unresolved. Meaning that when something happens, when it rises, we can choose to ignore it, deny it, try to cover it up, or just tell ourselves, man, if we turn a blind eye to it long enough, then this thing will just go away. Uh, but I want you to know, if you choose to take that approach today, uh, while it may you know, seem like the safest route because you don't have to have some conflict with a family member, the truth is, is anytime there's an unresolved conflict in the family, it will fester. 
right? And when something festers, it, it typically, you know, if it lingers, it opens up the door for more pain, more frustration, and more division to come in. And I would dare to say that when something festers, it even allows things to grow to a place that they shouldn't grow. And sometimes it'll grow to a point where it puts a strain on the relationship. And, and I have even seen situations where it's almost like when stuff's just left lingering, just hanging in the air, it's almost like somebody lit a fuse. And man, uh, at some point, there's going to be explosion from that family member, you know, if it's not dealt with. And so, in my opinion, just leaving something hanging isn't the best option for us to take. The next option we could take is this, and a lot of people do this, is we can point the finger at everyone else. It's really easy to point the finger at everybody else and tell them what they're doing wrong. Can I hear an oh yeah? It is. Now listen, before we do this, I, I think we need to remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, a powerful portion of scripture. He said this, He said, do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Here's the key part. Verse 3 says, and why worry about a speck in your, will insert family member's eye when you have a log in your own. Says, how can you think of saying to your family member, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? And then it says, you hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your family member's eye. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying basically before we accuse, before we blame, before we point the finger at everybody else, man, we need to stop, we need to pause, and we need to take a, a long, honest look at ourselves and go, you know, how, how can I or where am I potentially contributing to the issue at hand? Listen, I think if we make the mistake, and a lot of people do, that they, they get into conflict with a family member and they absolutely ignore what Jesus just said. And I think when we ignore what Jesus said, we not only tend to blame people, but we'll also put ourselves in a position as a victim. And anytime we put ourselves in a victim, anytime we take that approach, normally what happens is we harden our hearts. Can I hear an oh yeah? So we harden our hearts, man, we build up walls, and we begin to uh, cause division between everybody in the family that doesn't think like us. In other words, it's almost like a, an issue happens in the family, it spreads throughout the family, and then there's this line in the draw, and it's like, hey, everybody on my team sees in my view, come over here, and if you don't, stay over there, and we hate your guts. Now, listen, the scary part is, is if you and I really want to serve Jesus, if we really mean business with serving God, then we got to understand when we take the approach of just pointing the finger at everybody else, then the Bible tells us that the Lord actually pulls away from us. And I don't know about you, but I don't want the Lord to pull away from me. Amen? So let me share a verse with you in Isaiah 58. It says this, and it's mainly talking about fasting, but it comes down to the end. It says, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry. You shall pray. And he will say, here I am. Now watch what the Lord says when he says, here I am. He says, if you, somebody say if. He says, if you take away the yoke from your midst, and I'll add, if you stop pointing the finger, and if you stop speaking wickedness, the Lord says in verse 11, that he'll guide you continually. Now, listen, if we look at that and say, thank you, Lord, we got to look at the flip side, too. Well, what happens if we don't take away the yoke from our midst? What happens if we don't stop pointing the finger and we don't stop speaking wickedness? The bottom line is the Lord won't guide us in the situation we're in. I just think this, guys, if we want God to come to our defense, 
If we want God to guide us through difficult situations in our family, if we want God to give us wisdom and to give us discernment, if we want to know God's heart on the matter, then we need to stop blaming each other. It's pretty simple. So, Or we could take the, the third option. This is one I'm encouraging everyone to take today. Is this, is we can choose to become a part of the solution. In other words, yes, every family has its issues, but we choose as people who love God and serve God to be a part of the solution, not just hop on the bandwagon and be part of the problem with everybody else. So listen, on that note, while it's true that we can't control the behavior of others, what we can't control is our own behavior. So if we don't want to see these unhealthy habits that cause, you know, hurt feelings, you know, angry reactions, cold shoulders and the like, you know, you know those feelings that keep people from being invited to Christmas parties, right? That kind of stuff. Uh, and then we need to choose to become the catalyst of God's love, of God's peace, of God's unity, of God's order in our family. We need to make the choice to become part of the solution. Now, listen, I don't know about your family, but when I think of my side of the family, I think quite often, if I'm not that person, who will be? So, listen, I believe that no matter, I honestly believe this, no matter what's happened in the past in your, in your family's history, your family's story, listen, if we choose to partner with God, we can become an agent of change. In spite of what other people may say and what other people may think, man, I believe God can move through us to reverse unhealthy patterns and make our family relationships whole and healthy in, in a way that they would honor Him. I believe that with all my being. Amen? So listen, if we're going to be a part of the solution here, then we need to be aware of some of the common behaviors, we'll call them the common habits, that tend to erode and destroy the health of our family. So I want to give you, real quick, four habits that can cause our family culture, a healthy culture, a godly culture, to erode in our family. So for starters, we're going to dive off into probably what I would consider the biggest negative behavior, the biggest negative habit of all. And number one is this, is a failure to forgive or apologize. A failure to forgive or apologize. Now, more than likely, we've all seen and we've all experienced the damage that a lack of forgiveness can cause in a family. Is that true? Yes. Listen, and I, we could all sit up here and we could all, uh, you know, tell our song and tell our dance, tell our story. We could all do that. Uh, but, but more than likely, however you want to dress it up, what it boils down to is this, is that a family member says or does something that they shouldn't. Or maybe they don't say or don't do something that they should. Y'all know how it goes. The bottom line is, at the end of the day, expectations aren't met, and a family member or family members, they get upset. And what happens when those feelings of disappointment and unmet expectations aren't dealt with in a biblical way? The, the Bible's really clear, folks are going to get offended, right? And, and so an offended heart always has a couple of trademarks. An offended heart always puts up walls, they harbor ill feelings, right? They harden their hearts, they become stubborn, dig their heels in, and ultimately, here's the part I want us to see, is, is when the offended heart just gets settled there, more than likely at some point, they're going to open up the door for things like bitterness and rejection towards other family members to enter in. It just happens, right? Seen it tons of times. So you see, here's where we're getting at, that a lack of forgiveness can quickly destroy the bond and the connection in any family. And it can easily suck the blessings of God right out of it too. So once again, we could all tell story after story, 
I can tell you stories from my own personal experience. I can tell you stories from 25 years of ministry. Once again, things can get cold. They can get ugly quick. And if you don't believe me, man, I just say, trust me, I've been to too many funerals. It's reality, right? So listen, if we're going to be a part of the solution, then we need to remember that every healthy family practices a culture of forgiveness. Every healthy family practices a culture of forgiveness, which means this, that if we're going to be a part of the solution, then we got to be catalysts to forgive. We got to forgive. Now, you and I know that all throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we see this constant theme of forgiveness, right? And the reason we see that is because it's an undeniable piece of the gospel, and it's an undeniable piece of God's heart. Right? And a few examples of this, we could give many, but just think about for a moment how Joseph forgave his brothers after they sold him into slavery. You know, think about how David forgave King Saul even after he tried to kill him repeatedly. Like, that's some big forgiveness, right? Even think about how Jesus, you know, forgave the woman that was caught in adultery. Like, so many of us, something happens to us, and we're the guy gripping the rock ready to throw it, right? But Jesus said, hey, go. Sin no more, right? Think about how Stephen even asked God to forgive those people who were stoning him. Like literally in the process, he forgave them and asked God to forgive them. And ultimately what I want us to think about is how Jesus forgave us. See, the bottom line is we can go on and on and on, but God calls you and he calls me. So dad, mom, son, daughter, wherever your role is, listen, he calls you to forgive just like you've been forgiven. Listen, Jesus said these words. This is a sobering verse. He said in Matthew 6, I've heard loads of people try to exegesis this thing, and I've heard people try to say it doesn't mean what it says, and I'm here to tell you it means what it says. All right? Matthew 6 says this. Jesus talking. It's in red. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. We all celebrate that part. Next part we struggle with. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I'm going to read that again. It's that good. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not, will not forgive your sins. Guys, Jesus meant what he said there, right? So, so listen, with that verse just kind of hanging in the air, and I want to say this slow because I don't want anybody to miss what I'm saying. So with that verse in mind, is there anyone in this room who would say that you don't need God's forgiveness in your life? Like, I don't know about you, but I need God's forgiveness, right? And so, listen, if it's true that we need God's forgiveness, then just maybe withholding our forgiveness from another family member isn't worth as much as we might think it is. Amen? Why? Because we're holding on to something, right? But we got we to remember what Jesus said, that if I don't forgive that person that I'm spitting mad angry at, right, then God's not going to forgive me either. So, listen, when I say that, in fact, when I was typing that, here's what I heard, is I could just hear someone saying, but you don't know what they did to me. You don't know. And I want you to know today, the reality is, is I don't know, okay? And I understand that there's people that have been hurt by other folks in really deep ways. I have too, okay? And, and I know it's hard to communicate, you know, what that pain really is like. And I'm not here to take anything away from that. Uh, you know, more than likely, what you feel is very validated, but what I want you to hear today, if you're waiting 
for them to come apologize to you. And if you're waiting for the condition to be right before you can forgive them, then you got to know that you are making the decision to stop God's healing and God's restoration power from entering into, first, your own heart. And secondly, you're keeping God's power at bay from stepping into the situation uh, you know, with whatever you're angry about, whatever you're wanting to be fixed. You're actually tying the hands of God. So, listen, I just think this. Man, when I look at things like bitterness and anger and hate and all those things, man, those are cruel friends. They don't make good company, right? And so, if we can understand today as believers, man, God doesn't want us to wallow in all those negative emotions and those negative feelings any longer. He doesn't want that undercurrent of anger and hurt and pain to navigate our lives anymore. Because when we hold on to that, it controls our life. If we want to admit it or not, it does determine our direction that we head. And so I just think that God desires for us to forgive, right? Why? So that we can move forward and so that you and I can be made whole. Forgiveness is, yes, about the other person, but it's even more so about ourselves. Like, so it's our choice. Will we choose today to be a solution in our family that, that goes, you know what, I'm, we're going to break that pattern of a lack of forgiveness. You know, once again, that we're not going to say, you know, well, let's keep fostering that thing. Let's keep feeding that monster. We say, you know, it's done. It stops here. I'm choosing to forgive. So just to ask yourself today before we move on, is there someone in your family that you need to forgive? Is there someone in your family that you need to forgive? That's the first piece of a culture of forgiveness. So look at the second part. Remember, we said it's a failure to forgive, but it's also a failure to apologize. So God calls you and I to actually apologize. Now, here's the truth when we think about that. I know some of us have a hard time believing that you could do such thing, but the truth is, is we're all guilty of offending other people. We're all guilty, right? In other words, we all intentionally or unintentionally hurt and disappoint those we love. Like it's life. It just happens. But, but when it occurs, what should we do? Because it's going to occur. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. He said, so if you are presenting a sacrifice, in other words, if you're worshiping at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. In other words, you remember that you've offended or hurt someone. It says in verse 24, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. In other words, stop worshiping, go get it right, apologize, and then you can come back and you can worship. Now, I don't know why this is so hard. I don't know if it's human nature, but typically, even when we offend someone, even when we know that we did something wrong, we tend to get defensive and argumentative, and we want to stand our ground and die on that daggum hill. Right? I don't know why we do that. Like, it's idiotic, but we all do it, right? And so, but I want us to maybe, maybe just pause here for a second and think about the weight of what Jesus is saying. That he literally said, stop worshiping me. Stop worshiping me and go get it right. Now, biblically speaking, I don't know if there's anything else that comes before or is of greater importance than worshiping the king. Like, if you're having a hard time understanding that, there are no sermons in heaven. Thank God I get a break. (laughs) Right? Like, there's no sermons in heaven. We just get to worship the king. Right? So, so listen, that is the most important thing we do, that our heart is right, that we have intimate fellowship with the Father, and He is literally saying, man, that this is such a big deal to Him, you need to stop that and go get it right, because you're tainting your worship. So listen, next time 
that, you know, we offend someone in our family because it's going to happen again. Rather than us justifying our actions and justifying our anger or blaming the other person again, once again, pointing the finger, how about let's show some humility? Like, let's recognize God loves the person that we just hurt. And let's recognize that God loves our family and wants us to enjoy one another. And so what we need to do is we need to take responsibility. I know that's hard. But we need to take responsibility. We need to own our part. In other words, at the end of the day, here's what I'm trying to tell you. You got something to own. You're not clean in this. Okay? So own it and get it right and apologize. Amen? So the question is, is is there a family member you need to apologize to? The second negative behavior habit that can erode the health in our families is this. And it's a big one. It's criticism. At its core, criticism is simply this. It's finding and it's pointing out someone's fault. Finding and pointing out someone's weakness or someone's shortcoming. Now, let me just ask real quick, is anyone guilty of doing that? Come on, wave your hand at me like, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, me too, right here, okay? (laughs) Me too. So usually, usually criticisms are communicated, right? They come through words, but they're communicated by, by this, like, passive-aggressive comments, insults, verbal jabs, sarcastic remarks, like backhanded compliments, judgmental opinions, ridicule, rolling of the eyes with a nice little sigh at the end of it, right? Uh, even this, if you're older, we, we old people, we, man, we love to give lectures. Why? We give lectures because we want to straighten them out. Youngin, come here, sit down, let me straighten you out, let me fix you real quick. And, and even this, how, how is criticism communicated? It's really just forthright, it's direct. Like, let me just, boom. Especially if you ever notice the older you get, the more direct you get. That's really scary for me because <laughs> I'm pretty direct, right? So let me just ask one more time. Is anyone guilty of doing those things? Wave your hand at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Me too. Some of y'all are, are, are sinless. I'm amazed. All right. So now listen, of course, of course, I'm going to go to our defense here, right? Because what we do, right? Uh, we don't mean any harm when we criticize, right? We just think if our spouse... Or if our kids would just follow our advice, if they would just accept our coaching, right, they'd be better off. Right? Like, like we just think, man, like, if, like, why can't they just see that our opinion and our way is better and far superior than theirs? Like, we just tell ourselves, everybody else knows it, why can't they see it? Well, come on, preacher. All right. Listen, when the rubber meets the road, here's, here's what's going on. What's really happening through criticism is, is we try to impose our way of thinking on someone else. In other words, we are trying our best to get them to just do it our way. In other words, we, come, we become oblivious that they're a different person than we are, and we think that our way's right. So with all that in mind, I, I think if we sat down once again, we started telling stories, uh, every person in this room has probably received criticism in some form, some fashion from another family member. And more than likely, you've given criticism to a family member as well. It, it's just something, I don't know, it happens at home. You may not do it so much at work, uh, but when you get at home and you're behind those closed doors and there's a lot of comfortability, we tend to get a little bit more loose with our opinions. Come on, preacher. All right, so... The truth is this, is that no one, no one, I'm rebuking myself today, it's good, that no one wants to be around a critic, much less live with one. All right? Because, here's why, it's criticism is often viewed as disapproval. And, and no one is comfortable hanging around, say, a dad or a mom that doesn't approve of them. Right? 
and, and vice versa. Nobody likes hanging around a brother or sister that doesn't approve. Like, nobody's comfortable with that. And so what happens is, is, is whoever's feeling criticized, what they're going to do is they're going to ultimately, they're going to distance themselves from whoever's criticizing them, even if they live under the same roof. So let me even go so far, even if they share the same bed. Like, if you take a wife to criticize her husband, I'm telling you, that dude's going to run from her. The reason is because most men, their love language is affirmation. And so when you criticize him nonstop, you choke the life out of him, right? And so same way, if you go back where a woman needs affection and she needs love, if you're constantly criticizing and putting her down, she's going to think she's not good enough and she's going to run from you. Amen? So I just think this, when it, when it comes to all this, the key, right? Because the key, because we all have something to give. The, the key is being available, not critical. To be available. And so let me say something really quick to the older generation, grandparents here. If you could understand, I think this would help maybe your relationship with your kids. But listen, if you want to give basically parental or marital advice to your kids, then let them come ask you for it. Don't feel like you got to give it up so freely. Amen? And, and listen, if your kids, if your dad or mom here, if your kids want to know, you know, what they could have done better, maybe a test and in a game, name the scenario, th- then I just think at the end of the day, let them come ask you for it. Put yourself in a position, encourage them that you're available if they ever need to talk. If, you have, if they need wisdom, I'm available. Don't feel like you always got to tell them, okay? So, so once again, just be available. Let me give you a thought here. And uh, we'll let it land where it goes. But I think this, that if we worked on our connection with our family member, once again, our spouse or if it's whatever the relationship is, if we worked on our connection with them as much as we value our opinion, they might be more open to hearing what we'd have to say. I'm going to say that again so it'll land, okay? Is this, if, if we worked on our connection, our relationship with our family member as much as we value our opinions much as we think we're right, as much as we want to share it, then guess what? Then they may be more open to hearing it. It's all really about tone and approach anyways. So here's the point I want to make, is that criticism should never be a habit within a family culture. should never be a habit within a family culture because we are supposed to be loving, supportive, and encouraging to one another. So if we're going to be a part of the solution, guys, then we need to do our best, even if it's that crazy uncle or that really awkward nephew, whatever. We need to do our best to be a source of encouragement that builds up other family members. Yeah, because once again, criticism divides. But if we can encourage, man, it, it'll create a sense of belonging to those who are in our family. Let me give you a verse here. Proverbs twenty eighteen says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. That defines criticism pretty well. It says, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So the question is, is have you been overly critical towards any of your family members? Are you throwing swords or are you giving words of healing? Number three, the third negative behavior habit that can erode the health of your family is gossip. Is gossip. Gossip. I'm saying, Jesus, help us. Listen, it can be simply defined as this, as idle talk especially about the personal or private affairs of others. Idle talk, especially about the personal or private affairs of others. So on that note, let me just ask you, can you remember a time where somebody uh, talked behind your back? 
I'm intentionally hoping those emotions get stirred up right now. Like, can you remember when somebody ran their mouth about you? Right? Like, like, like were, you, were you sad? Were you angry? Were you disappointed? Were you hurt? Did you want to punch them in the throat? You, you know, did, did you want to do all the above? Right? Like, like what was going on in you? Like, 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 let's remember how it made us feel for a moment. And then I want us to ask ourselves this is can you remember a time where you gossiped about someone else? Like, ouch, right? I, I think it's so easy to get on our religious high horse, act super spiritual, and get mad at people when they run their mouth about us, but then we, we kind of let ourselves off the hook when we do it about somebody else. But the bottom line is, guys, we're all guilty of this one. And, and I think no matter how we want to church it up or how much... Uh, you know, how, how much of a prayer request we want to make it or, or, you know, whatever, how true the information might be. Listen, anytime gossip occurs in the family, it does a handful of things. It, it does this. It damages a person's reputation, right? Like you say something about Uncle Joe to Aunt whatever, and man, it's going to change things. It just is. It distorts the facts. What I mean by that is most people that are quick talking, they typically don't know all the real issues, They really don't know what's going on, but they think they do. It focuses on the latest dirt. It spreads like wildfire. It undermines confidence, breaks trust, hurts feelings, destroys relationships, causes division, and overall it is unproductive because it does nothing good. In fact, listen to what the Bible says. Let me give you three verses. Proverbs 16 says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. This says gossip separates the best of friends. Proverbs 20, 19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Another verse says this way, it says, Gossip betrays a confidence, avoid the one who can't keep a secret. Now, if there's any verse I want you to get in this portion where we're talking about gossip, it is James 1, 26. I mean, James is like dropping Thor's hammer here, okay? It says, I'll clean up that theology later. All right, here we go. (laughs) Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. In other words, it doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are. How much you love God doesn't really matter. You can worship for an hour. You can pray for an hour. You could read the, you go home today and read the whole book of Revelation and decide which trib you are. Doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, listen, if you don't know how to shut your mouth, then guess what? All of that's worth nothing. That's what he's saying. So in my opinion, okay, this is just my opinion, but I think gospel is one of the most overlooked and eschewed sins in the church. Most overlooked and excused sins of church. In other words, we act like it's no big deal. We act like Jesus just kind of winks at it. Ah, it's all right. But, but I want you to know today that that's not true, right? Jesus said this in Matthew 12. He says, I tell you on the day of judgment. Can we say the day of judgment? Yeah. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Y'all, that's scary, Right? So, so what happens is, is we act like, yeah, that, that's for Chris. Yeah, that's for Chloe. Yep, they're going to get that. But my man, no, oh, he's off the hook. I'm good. Jesus didn't mean that for me. Yes, he did. That's all of us, right? In other words, we are all going to be held accountable for what comes out of this pothole. Right? And so listen, if we have a habit of gossiping or if we enjoy listening to gossip, 
Because how many of you guys know there's people who just love the latest news, right? Then we need to repent. We need to ask Jesus to forgive us. But then we need to take a step further. We need to ask the Holy Ghost to come and convict us the next time we're tempted to do either one of those things. So let me kind of give you just a personal note here. Uh, Just being honest with you. It's probably been the combination of gossip and a lack of forgiveness that has caused the most damage in my extended family. I'm not talking about me and Jennifer and our kids. I'm talking about basically all my family back home in Bama. Like, all of that is just a mess. Like, so much a mess, I go, I thank God that I live, whatever, 1,400 miles away or whatever it is. Just thankful, right? I don't have to deal with that stuff. Because the truth is, is we still have people in our family that refuse to talk to one another. I'm talking, I'm talking, because I have all these stepbrothers and stuff, right? So I'm talking like uh, a parent walking down the aisle in Walmart, right? And another one, uh, a kid walking, and they won't even look at each other. Won't say a word, won't do anything. I mean, literally, going, we have, we've had medical issues in the family the past couple of years. I don't know, serious ones. And, and nobody's made a phone call. Nobody's checked in. No, it's like, whatever. Like, they have written them off the face of the planet. Why? Because one person was a busybody, like it says in, in Timothy, and, and they begin to gossip. And, and, and we all know that it comes back around, right? People find out. And when it came back around, they found out they refused to forgive, and they severed the ties of relationship. And, and, and all of these people want to say they love Jesus. I ain't figured that one out yet. Yeah? So, listen, I just think in light, of, in light of that, here's what I've learned. And this is just a secret to help you out, okay? This has convicted me as well. But here's what I've learned. Because I call home sometimes. Occasionally I get to go visit. But, but I've learned that if a family member is, you know, dogging another family member, gossiping about another family, family member, talking negative about someone else in the family, then more than likely when I'm gone, they're talking about me too. And so I, I've just done what the Bible says. I've just created space. Right? I've said, you know what, I'm not going to hang, I'm not going to call, I'm going to love them and I will honor them, but, but I'm not going to share any information. I'm going to be really safe. Am I making sense? So I, I think this, and these are some things that I've had to live, and they're hard, uh, but if we want to be a part of the solution, then, then we got to ask ourselves, how should we react when other family members begin to gossip in our presence? Like, how do we act? Like, how do we respond, right? I think the first one is this, and none of this is going up on the screen, but the first one is this, is that we have to choose not to participate. Meaning that when somebody starts talking, then I don't start giving my opinion, and I don't take the bait, right? I, I don't act like I'm enjoying hearing it. I'm not asking for more. I'm just like, you know what? I'm, I'm just not engaging with that. I just kind of go numb when that starts happening. The next one is this, is we gently begin to steer the conversation in the right direction. In other words, I'm going to redirect it. They're saying something negative about some of my, well, somebody you know, in my family, then I'm going to start talking positive about that person in my family. So even this, I'm going to excuse myself, Sterwin, I'm going to excuse myself from the conversation altogether. In other words, if we're sitting there, I'm going to find a way to get out of the room. If I'm on the phone, I'm finding a way to get off of it. Because I'm not going to participate in it. And the last one is this. And this kind of gets a little bit awkward. But when you say, hey, you know, we probably shouldn't be talking about that person. Because that would probably hurt them if they heard what you're saying. Or they're not here to defend themselves. So on that note, let me give you a verse that I've prayed uh, many, many times. And, uh, and I hope it will help you in this area. So Psalms 141, verse 3. Psalm 141, verse 3. It says, set a guard over my mouth. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord, and keep watch over the door of my lips. 
In other words, when I go to say something, God, convict me. Stop me. Amen? The fourth negative behavior habit that can erode the health of our family is this. And this is a big one. We don't talk about it a lot in church, but it's dishonesty. It's dishonesty. It's just not telling the truth. Now, I don't know, um, you know, how it is in your home, but I will say this. For, for me, personally, uh, you know, one of my core values, not just in relationships, but, but all the more my family relationships, one of my core values is honesty. Like, I value honesty, right? And, and, because, and the reason is because I think honesty and trust go hand in hand. And I believe that the foundation of every family culture has to be built on those two things. And I'll say it this way, that, that I believe that so much that if you remove those two things from a family, if you remove honesty and you remove trust, just give it time, the foundation of those relationships will crumble. It's inevitable. It will happen. So listen, I think things, uh, if you remove honesty and you remove uh, trust, things may remain nice, they can remain cordial, uh, but without those two things, man, you're going to cease to grow in your relationship, you'll cease to have intimacy, and you'll cease, uh, cease to have an openness and a vulnerability in your conversations and in your life. Is that true? Yes. So listen, on that note, Odd question, but how many families do we think are functioning today without those two things? In other words, that they are that they are trying to do life, husband and wife, trying to do relationship with their kids, uh, grandparents, whatever, that they're trying to do life and they're operating and functioning from a deficiency of honesty and trust. Like, I think if God pulled the veil back and let us see how many people are functioning that way, our minds would be blown. Like, we'd be so shocked. The reality is, and I've you know, done a lot of counseling over the years, man, there's a lot of spouses who are struggling to trust one another. Like, they don't know, like, okay, is my husband telling me the truth? Is my wife telling me the truth? And they second-guess everything to death, and they never know, you know, once again, are they telling the truth? And if they're not telling the truth, then how can I trust them? And then, once again, all those years of youth ministry I had, I can't tell you how many parents I sat down with, they said, I don't know if I can trust my kid because I don't know if they're being honest with me or not. And I can tell you, loads of parents that their kids were involved in things, and they had no clue. Right? Why? Because there's no honesty and there was no trust. And I'm just here to tell you, it's really hard to have a relationship when you don't have those two things. Right? Okay, so let's take this in a certain direction. This makes you feel uncomfortable. Sorry. But, but I, I think this, I think even if we don't want to admit it, uh, man, lying is a huge problem in the Christian church. It's huge, right? And, and it's funny, I'm amazed by how many, uh, how many people I get around, and they'll tell me that they lied, and they'll laugh about it and make a joke out of it. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Right? And, and so, listen, it's so funny because they know it's a sin, but they justify their actions for several reasons. They'll, they'll say, well, it was a partial truth. Well, it was just a little white lie. Well, you know, it's not going to really hurt anybody. And they try to convince themselves of all those things that's just kind of okay. In fact, I'll give you a really uh, goofy way that, that I see a lot of Christians do things. And, and this is just an example. It, it goes in a thousand different directions from here. But it's like this. Let's say, let's say, uh, Pastor Chris calls me, and, he, and, and my wife answers the phone, and I'll say, I don't want to talk to him right now. Right? And, and, and she, she's got that awkward pause, and I'll say, tell him I'm not here. <laughs> and what I'll do so I'm not lying is I'll run out my front door and stand on the porch so she can tell him, well, you know, he isn't in the house right now. 
uh, he'll have to call you back. We laugh, but I've seen loads of Christians do things very similar to that. And how do you think Jesus looks at that? We think it's all right. I'm here to tell you it's, it's not all right. Amen? All right, so let me give you real quick, just kind of for context, uh, four types of lying that I've seen people do over the years. In other words, reasons why they lie. The first one is this, probably the most common, is they, is they do it for protection. And what I mean by that is this, is let's say that uh, the husband knows that the finances aren't really that great, uh, or the wife goes to the doctor and she knows that, oh, that report's not that good. And, and so they don't want to make the other one worry. And so what they do is they just lie about it and say, oh, it's okay. Because they don't want to stress them out. They don't want to hurt their feelings, right? Uh, in other words, they just want to protect the person. Let, let, me, let me say it this way. We'll talk grown here for a minute. Um, let's say this. Let's say that uh, a husband has been out of town and he's worked late, whatever, three nights in a row, hasn't come home, hasn't engaged with their spouse, hasn't engaged with the kids, and, 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 and he basically climbs in the bed, whatever, on the Thursday night and says, you know, are you okay? I'm sorry I've been gone. And the wife says, yeah, it's okay. Well, you know, I got things handled. I'm doing, I mean, I'm fine. What she's doing there, she's lying about her feelings. I don't want to hurt my husband, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm at a deficit and I am struggling because why? Because we're supposed to be one. And so she, she will lie to him to protect his feelings. Or it's like this. Let's say old dude climbs into bed Thursday night and he's wanting a little bit of loving. Right? He's wanting a little fellowship with his wife. And uh, y'all act like y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so <laughs> come on, somebody. Jesus Christ, it's good. So um, somebody's alive. We're sa- Listen, we're saved, not dead. All right, here we go. So. So he, you know, whatever, he's like, so he makes advancements. And, and she's like, you single guys, plug your ears, okay? And so uh, he makes advancements, and, and she gently turns him down. Well, he ain't been home in three days. Her love tank is on empty. She's not feeling love. She's not feeling affection. And, and so she kind of turns him down, and he goes, uh, no, no, I, I understand. I understand you've been chasing kids all day. You're tired. I get it. I get it. And so his expectations aren't being met, and so what happens is, is he lies because he don't want to hurt her feelings, but, but my point is, those may sound super silly, but it creates this unhealthy cycle in the marriage where they begin to lie to protect one another, and then they wonder why 10 years later they're not in love anymore, right? It happens all the time. So let me just maybe say this, just a little add-on here. Fellas, if your wife says, do I look fat in this dress? Listen, I, I, I think that may be the one time the Lord says, it's okay. I'm just, it's, I really don't know what to do there. Like that's, listen, I, I have given honest feedback before and, and it didn't go well. It came back later. There was no forgiveness attached to it, right? Like I didn't mean those comments. They just kind of came out. I was, you asked for the truth, right? And, and, and so I'm just saying that I think the Lord sometimes forgives us quicker. So anyways... <laughs> Babe, you look hot. Jesus, forgive me. Anyway, so anyway, number two. Here we go. All right, moving right along. <laughs> Four types of dishonesty. Number two is this, is, is we want to look good. 
In other words, we simply want to look better than we are. We got a reputation to uphold, right? Uh, you know, that, so we want our spouse, we want our kids, our parents. Maybe we want them to have this favorable impression of us. We want to impress, you know, our second cousin or whatever. And so what we do is we embellish and we misrepresent the truth. And in short, what we're doing is we're lying because we want to benefit us. Oh, I preached and there was a thousand people. Well, no, there was about fifty. <laughs> right. Man, the altars were full. No, one lady came down because she dropped something. And so, whatever, right? Like, just tell the truth. Number three is, 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 is more than just kids do it, but, but, man, we avoid trouble. We lie to avoid trouble, right? In other words, we know we've done something wrong. Man, we know something's not working. We know there's some uh, unpleasant consequences. And, you know, basically, someone in our family is not going to approve. And so what we do to get out of it, to cover our tracks, is we lie. We lie. And the last one is this, is, is they're just, you know, liars who are compulsive. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's none of y'all, but they just lie about anything and everything because they think it's fun. They need deliverance, okay? So the point, though, is this, is while people have different motives for lying, the results are always the same. Anytime uh, we, we entertain a lying spirit in our home is simply this, is, is it relationships suffer, right? It causes issues. And, and let me say this. If you think that you have a bit of information that someone in your family should know and you refuse to say it, I think that's pretty equal to lying. All right? So I just think this. We can remember, like, why do relationships suffer? It's pretty simple. Uh, you know, no person wants to be married to a liar. No kid wants a parent that lies to them, and no parent wants a kid that lies to them. So, in fact, I can't tell you how many times that I've grabbed a hold of my kids uh, you know, in a gentle way and just said this, uh, you know, does your father lie to you? And the answer is no, because I, I don't lie to my kids. Once again, it's a value for me, okay? And, and the reason I say that is because I say this, do I lie to you? No, then I'm asking you not to lie to me. It's really that simple, because at the end of the day, if I can't trust them and they can't trust me, what kind of relationship are we going to have? Amen. Listen, the Bible says this in Proverbs 12. Y'all hang with me. We're almost done. Proverbs 12 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. I just think, man, if the Lord's that way, we should be that way. If, if he hates lying lips, we should hate them. If he delights the truth, we should delight in the truth. Amen? In fact, if you're born again in this place, listen to Colossians 3. It says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So understand that, Christian. That, that lying is a part of the old nature. The moment that you bowed at the cross and you said, Jesus, wash me clean, come be the Lord of my life, from that moment on, it no longer is supposed to be a part of your nature. You don't practice it. Now you practice the truth, and the Bible says that he desires truth in the inward parts. Amen? Yes. All right. So I just think this. If we're going to be a part of the solution in our families, and we need to ask ourselves, how can we help create a culture of honesty in our families? How can we create a culture of violence in our families? It's really simple. First of all, you got to live it. you got to walk in the truth. you got to be a person of integrity. And you got to be trustworthy. Amen? That means you're, you're not giving all that other stuff we've been talking about. And I think if we can do those things consistently, people will notice. If nothing else, they'll respect you for it. Amen? So let me say this. Um, I know I haven't said this on any of the other three points, but I want to sit here for a second. If there's a chance that you're sitting here today and you know that you haven't been walking in honesty with your family, if you know that you've been withholding information or if you have uh, just outright lied to cover your butt, whatever it may be, um, listen, or if you're in the spot where 
where you know that you have broken your family's trust or you're once again hiding something, then, then I simply want to encourage you to do this. Come clean. Come clean. Just come clean. It's simple. Confess your sins and repent first to God and then to your family members. Yes, that requires you to go, here's what I've been lying about. Okay? And so from that point on, I'm here to tell you, will that damage your relationship? Yes. Yes, it will. Will it hurt trust? Yes. Okay? But, but if you do it that way and take a humble approach, then God can restore it. Okay? He can come and help you regain what you've given away, but you have to take the first step. Now, the warning to that is simply this, is that if you don't, if you don't go, I'm going to come clean. If you keep holding and you keep operating from a spirit of deception, then I want you to know that the Bible clearly says that your sin will find you out. Like if, if you can bank on one verse in the entire Bible, bank on the fact that your sin will find you out. Okay? Because here's the deal. Uh, what I want you to know is that when your sin finds you out and whatever your mess is is exposed, then, then it's a whole lot harder to reconcile the issue then. So, so if you value the relationship with the individuals you've been lying to, then you need to go, let me come clean so God can restore it. If not, be, be opposing to the Word of God, okay? And, and keep operating out of a wrong spirit, and it will blow up in your face, and then more than likely, uh, it, it's not going to be salvageable, barring a miracle from God. Amen? All right, so I want to close with a single question today. And it's this. Is, is family a priority in your life? Is family a priority in your life? If you can honestly say yes to that, then I simply want to encourage you to make the decision of all these things we've been talking about today. Like, make the decision that uh, you're not going to fail in forgiveness. You're not going to fail in apologizing. Like, make the, de- make the decision. You're not going to give in to criticism and comparison. Like, make the decision. Gossip ceases. And, and make the decision. You're going to operate in the spirit of truth. Amen? Because, listen, once again, like I said at the top, if you, if you choose to be a part of the solution for your family, then, once again, God will anoint you for that. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the discernment that you need to be that to your family. Uh, I wholeheartedly believe that God can take one person and change generations. He did it all throughout the Bible, okay? And, And so the question for you there is this, is will you be that person? Will you choose to be? If you're sitting here and you go like, well, I, you know, our family has this person, this person. Well, good for you. Then you're going to operate out of, you know, uh, an inheritance. Your children receive inheritance. That's amazing. But, it, but if you're like my family, where you're like, is anybody going to stand up? Then, then stand up and have courage because you're going to need it. Amen? Amen. Can you stand to your feet? I just want to pray for you today. So we ask a series of questions there. Like, is there anyone that you need to forgive? Is there anyone you need to apologize to? Ask him, man, have you been critical? Have you been gossiping? And ultimately, have you been walking in the truth? I, I want to just give maybe an opportunity just before the Lord uh, for you to get it right if you need to get it right. Like, you may have to go and have a conversation with somebody, but it needs to start here. So where you stand is your altar moment, and it's your place to do business with God. Well, I'm going to give you a few minutes here just to do what you need to do.
Holy Spirit, show us the way. Come on, if you know restoration needs to happen, begin to pray and ask God to help you in that and give you wisdom on how to go about it. for you. Father, your word says, God, that you desire for us to have clean hands and a pure heart. So, Father, we thank you today that through the blood of Jesus, God, that in spite of what may have happened before this moment, God, we thank you that there's forgiveness available. Lord, we thank you for clean hands and a pure heart in this moment. Lord, we simply ask, God, that we could release by faith those people, Lord, that we've been offended by, been hurt by. And Lord, we ask God today that you'd forgive us for holding grudges. And Lord, if we have offended other people, then Lord, we're asking God that you would give us courage to go and to simply humble ourselves and to apologize. Lord, we're asking God if we have operated from a critical spirit and a critical mindset. uh, Father, would you come and would you begin to teach us Holy Spirit, would you teach us how to be encouragers? Would you teach us how to build people up? Would you teach us how to speak life and not death? Father, if we have uh, literally broken down people in our family, Lord, we're asking that you would give us a strategy how to build them back up. God, we recognize that we're going to have to say we're sorry. But Lord, would you help us to be the biggest cheerleader our husband has? God, we help us be the biggest cheerleader that our wife has. Would you help us be the biggest cheerleader that our kids have? Father, we pray that that just negativity and that negative culture would be gone. Father, even that spot, God, where it's just, uh, you, you know, Lord, where it may not be in front of everybody, but it may be in secret. Lord, we ask, God, that you would just blow all that mess out of the way. God, remove it from our lives. And Lord, we're, we're asking, God, if we have been the busybody that goes and tells this person that, tells this person that. God, forgive us. God, help us to learn how to keep guard over our mouth. God, watch, God, over the words that we speak out of our lips. God, we recognize today that we're going to be accountable for what we say and what we do. And so, Lord, we pray that we would choose our words wisely. Holy Spirit, we give you full permission to convict us when we go to say something you don't approve of. And Lord, we're asking, God, lastly, if we have been a person who is not walked in the truth. We have failed to walk in the truth. Lord, we're asking God that you would help us to value honesty. God, we want to see our families built off of trust and honesty. And so, Lord, if we've been lying, Lord, we ask God that you'd forgive us. And once again, Lord, give us the courage to go make it right. God, we need you. God, we need you. God, we don't want to live with with things in the attic. We don't want to live with things in the in the in the closet. God, we don't want to uh, live with things in the basement. God, God, we want the light of Jesus to shine on every area of our lives. God, that we don't have to hide what's been on our phone. We don't have to hide what's been in an email. We don't have to hide, God, what we've been doing when we're away. God, we just simply want to walk in the truth. God, we want to walk in the truth. We want to walk in the life. And so, Lord, I'm asking today. God, where your word says, God, that repentance brings refreshing. God, would you bring, yes, a holy conviction, but would you bring refreshing and God, just the ability to go, hey, here's what's ahead. 
God, we thank you that you have the great ability to make the whiteboard clean, God, so we can write our future onto something new. And so, Lord, we submit our lives to you today. God, we give you our lives. God, help us to honor you in every single thing that we do, especially in our homes. Strengthen our marriages. Strengthen our relationship with our kids. Father, we ask you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.